0: I'm bringing it down now, my vocal cords are coming down to to my level here, okay? You can turn over to Ephesians chapter 1, we're starting a new series we're going to be going into, uh, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, so here's what you can do uh, for the next 6 or 7 weeks, whatever it is, you can study in Ephesians, you can read through the book of Ephesians. It's it's a short book. I mean, it's six chapters. It's jam-packed full of good things. You know what some people say about the book of Ephesians? It's Paul's like best of letter. It's like the best of Paul. It's like he dumped everything that's the best of what he's taught into the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to be there. So I would really encourage you to read it. You know what you can do? You can actually read it every day if you need to and it won't la- it, that will not take a ton of time okay if me saying that has just put a burden on you that you're like oh my gosh one more thing okay <laughs> listen that it's me saying it not the lord saying it okay i'm just giving you some thoughts some of you may think wow that was great that's what i'm going to do uh, others of you are like you know you're cramping up thinking of reading this book every day all right but you know you you figure you out, okay? I mean, that's the best thing to do. So uh, this will be coming up here in a second. Um, we're getting there. Um, if it's me having to do with anything with technology and Keynote and all those things, Keypoint, uh, then uh, uh, it, I will mess it up somehow. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, I see Joe feverishly working back there. Don't look back! Okay. I saw Patrick. The first thing he did was look back. You know better, Patrick. Eyes forward, people. Okay. I opened it up. It's, so if you look in the downloads, but it should be open uh, behind the pro remote. But if you look in the downloads, it's, it's the last thing downloaded. That's it right there. That's the picture of our goofy brothers right there at Men's Weekend. Uh, we're having fun there, but, but the name of our sermon series, and essentially is summing up the book of Ephesians, is Ephesians is teaching us to live the life that we are built to live. All right? God built every one of you, every one of us, everybody. All right, can you imagine what God was thinking when he was putting you together before the creation of time? And he's putting you together perfectly, exactly the way you need to be, all right? And there's a way that God built us to live. Amen. What we all have in common in here, though, is that we've all figured out many ways that we aren't built to live. Mm. We've succeeded at that. Yes. We've succeeded at finding ways that don't work. And here's one of the things that you can take to the bank, all right, is... A teaching of Jesus um, is you know a tree by the fruit it bears. Amen. Yeah. Alright? We know when something isn't of God by the fruit it bears. Yeah. Alright? And so what does that mean? Um, if we decide to live a certain way, and the production of that lifestyle is bitterness, cynicism, faithlessness, bad attitudes. Jeez. All right, David brought that up in Numbers 11. That's one of those things we don't have any concept of understanding, right? Like how to have a bad attitude. Really? We would never do that, right? Uh, But the thing is, is if we're living in a way that the production of our life is back, just getting, fighting with our brothers and sisters, faithlessness, cynicism, bitterness, understand something, you have succeeded in finding a way to live that is not how you were intended to live. Amen. All right, that's important to know. All right, is that God's way that he built us is that there would be fruit produced when we live the way we were built to live. And Ephesians gets into that, okay? I should probably turn this on. Is it not working? I'm cursing the technology today. Can you just advance just one slide? Oh, that would be great. Alrighty. That's okay. That's okay We're going to go. We, we will continue. Oh, that's two. I think that's two. There we go. Yay. All right. <laughs> let's, let's bring everything. I'm back again, okay? <laughs> So it's A.W. Tozer, not A.W. Tower that said this, okay? So you guys guys might go home and say, this is a really cool quote. I'm going to look up A.W. Tower. He won't be on the Internet, and if he is, he probably isn't going to be the guy that said this quote, all right? Uh, Here's one of the things that he said. He says, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God that any man or woman on earth who is bored or turned off by worship is not ready for heaven, all right? I mean, that's a pretty powerful thing. This is what we're going to get into right here in Ephesians chapter one, because as God, as, as Paul writes in this book, what's really cool is he does the opposite of what I think our inclination is. Our inclination oftentimes is to go practically first, like, Hey, do these things, all right, behave a certain way. And that may be something you're really well acquainted to in Christianity, which is very similar to what Dave brought up. Sometimes we can come to church and be a part of an organization and feel like, okay, as long as my behavior is good, then God is happy with me. And then we become this group of people that we just try to modify our behavior so we're happy with everyone. So if there's certain behaviors we all agree on, then let's just behave that way. Paul starts in the opposite way. He starts right in the middle. He gets into our hearts. And he starts right there, and he's like, listen, if there's going to be change, behavior's going to need to change. But it's going to have to, have to happen from the inside out. Amen. Like, it's going to have to be deep, like rooting out some really deep things here, okay? So in Ephesians 1, he's, he's writing this. What's important about the book of Ephesians? First of all, um, if you're a Christian... You've got to be committed to knowing your Bible. Amen. All right. For many of you that have been Christians for longer than like a year, when you hear the book of Ephesians, you should hear like, okay, I know where to go in the book of Acts. I know where to go. I remember when Paul was in Ephesus. And I remember where that is. And I can go there and get some background into the book of Ephesians. All right. I can go into Acts 18 and 19 and 20. I can go there because that's just simply making connections in the New Testament, okay? That's an expectation we all should have for ourselves that we're handling the word correctly. This is probably a letter that would be considered a circular letter, okay? What that means is that uh, Paul sent it to the church in Ephesus and he intended it to make its way around to churches. So it might not be something specific specifically happening in Ephesus. But it was this general letter that's meant to be read by all of the churches to really get to this point of what he's teaching here, okay? There's a lot in Ephesians 1. There's a lot. But there's a statement that Paul makes four times in the first 15 verses. He makes a statement, and he talks about Praising the glory of God. And that sounds very like, that sounds like Christianese, right? That's what we call, like, that sounds so spiritual. Like, if you came in here and somebody said, you know, how are you? Josh, how are you, man? He's like, praising the glory of God. Two things would happen. Number one, you'd be like, all right, let me go find someone else to talk to. This is going to get too deep in a hurry, okay? Or you're like, you know, not sure what that means, all right? Uh, blessings, brother. You know I mean? We get into this. This terminology right here is so important that we bring this into our world today, all right? Because to Paul, his, his point here, and to the point of even this, what A.W. Tozer is saying, is that when we don't understand what it means to praise the glory of God, we can't grow like there's no growth. There's only humanism to fall back on. There's nothing else to... There, there has to be this desire to worship God and to praise His glory. Glory. All right, we have to learn as disciples, and what we hear from Paul is Paul loves God's glory. Paul loves God's glory. Let's read in Ephesians 1 these, these different places. So in Ephesians 1, verse 3, Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. All right? So let's bring that word into our like lexicon, basic English, okay? Because we aren't using that and it's okay to not use that word, but what that word means. It's this enthusiastic accurate just announcement of something that's praise all right that can be done verbally that can be done with our lives it's this accurate enthusiastic announcing of something is praise and he says this praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms That means it's happened right now. Paul is saying, man, bless. Paul is saying, man, praise God. Because you know what he's done to you, Patrick? You know what he's done to you, Joe? You know what he's done to every Christian? Is he has blessed you and me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. All right, the heavenly realms means in the unseen world, in what we don't see. Can you imagine like when we stop praising God for that, what happens to our spiritual life? Yeah. Like when we are enthusiastic about, you mean, wow, God, you have blessed us. This is what Paul is saying. No, praise be to God. This is what me and you, we've got to get really good at, is praising God. God, And Paul is starting out, he's like, praise him. Verse 4, think about what he's saying here. Because he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will... And why did he do all that? To the praise of his glorious grace. He said, I did all of that so you would praise my glorious grace. Before time, you were predestined. You were before creation. He had determined salvation to sinners. Okay, now don't get caught up in the terminology predestined. We get weird with that word because we're like, you know what that means? That you have no choice. Yeah. Like the choice has been made. You either love God and you're all fired up about him or you don't and you're going to hell. You've been predestined for one of those and that's not what Paul is teaching here. He's saying, no, the plan ahead of time is that all men would come to repentance in the knowledge of Jesus. That's the predestined plan for all of humanity. Amen. And he said he did it for this reason. Not for me and you to be happy even. Not for me and you to have our needs met even. To the praise of His glorious grace. Amen. All right, do you see, the, you see the difference? Because Christianity, it can become a really fine line between a group where we get our needs met. Yeah. All right, now here's the thing. What Jesus says is, is when you follow me, your needs will be met. Amen. You will have life to the full, but that's not why you do it or why it was done, though. No. All right, there's a really fine line there, and he's saying, no, God is telling me and you, man, I saved you, and I planned on saving you for the praise of his glorious grace. All right, that should, like, inspire something inside of us to go, oh, wow, that's the, this is Amazing here, okay? So that's verse 3, verse 4. We go down to verse uh, 7. We'll go from there. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the First, I hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. Amen. And then you go down further. He gave you the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, it's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the question to us is, how are we, me and you, okay, doing on, in this? God, you gave me the Holy Spirit. Like, in, in a certain way, it's true. He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us, equip us, guide us. But the overriding reason is so his, we would praise his glory. Wow. All right? We would pray and go, well, what does that mean? I'm trying to figure that out. What does that mean? We can go to the next slide. My clicker just is not working. Um, can you hit one more slide ahead? Oh, there we go. So, to the, we, this idea of to the praise of His glory, it's this idea of how, how do I do that? What does that look like in my life? Am I announcing, applauding, praising the majesty and the magnificence of God in everything we do? Is that, is that how me and you live in our relationships to where we think, okay, whatever happens today... I want God to be glorified. Whatever happens, now I can't make people understand that, but as far as it goes with me and you, I'm going to praise his glory. I'm going to love. Glory is the magnificence and the majesty of God. How great God is. Just think in your quiet time. This is one of the things I've been writing in my journal this week. Is there anything any greater than God? Like, can you imagine anything better than what the first 14 verses of this chapter can say? Can you imagine anything greater than the creator of the universe lavishing forgiveness and grace and redemption and adoption and all of these things when we weren't lovable to be chosen? Amen. All right. Can you imagine anything greater than that? Because what should be welling, what Paul is teaching us is if we're going to live the life we were built to live, it's got to start with this like wellspring of praise for his glory. It's got to be right there to where we're going, oh my goodness, this is so overwhelming. And God is so, the way I live, the way I speak, the way I, I share and serve is all about praising his glory. Right? Everything we do, all right? Turn over if you would to Psalm 145, okay? Because there's so much that goes into this. I think what's easy to do is that we simply take this sentence and it becomes like a verbal mantra for us. Like it becomes what we say, it becomes what we write, it becomes what we think. You know, just the just the mantra instead of everything that comes with this. I mean, this really. This is such a multidimensional idea of praising God's glory and magnifying and loving God's glory. Psalm 145, David is writing here in verse 1, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will Praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name. And then he goes into great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. That's just a great quiet time right there. Like that one verse, God, your greatness, we can't even fathom. We know you're great. We can't fathom how great you are. Like, it's so, okay, have you ever thought of an idea? Like, for me, it's the concept of eternity. And the more you think about it, the more your brain just is like, what do you mean, like, you know, you mean a million years? You still, but even using the terminology of years is not, you can't in eternity, and it makes your brain like, ah, all right? That's what David is saying. He's like, I can't, when I think of how great you are, I can't, I can't even fathom that. You're worthy. One generation will commend your works to another. They'll tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. You want to know what this is like contrasting here? Here's my guess. If this, Because this is, this is me, but I think it's probably just people. Isn't it easy to meditate on everything that's wrong? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) That happens in the world. I'm going to tell you, when that happens in the church, it's deadly. Yeah. Like, have you ever meditated on what's wrong with people? (laughs) Here's what I learned in the Bible. I can meditate about what's wrong with me. You know, I can be, okay, God, let me, I got to get real about my life. Isn't it easier and, in fact, pseudo-enjoyable, to meditate on what's wrong with brothers and sisters. You're like, I'm not amening that, okay? <laughs> but you made a noise. I heard somebody like, oh, you know, like, like it was coming out of you. And, and see, the, the opposite here is David is going, I meditate on all of the great works of God. That's why I praise. Instead of, no, I'm going to meditate on what's, Strong wrong with my roommates? Strong on with my spouse? I'm going to meditate on, on, on people and, you know, all their problems. And, you know, and, and just as, as David said, I'm going to unfaithfully vent and meditate on that. And I can guarantee, you want to know what? You know, you know what will happen with that? We will learn and be successful once again to live a way that we were not built to live. All right, that's the equivalent of I don't know what your favorite car is. If you got like your dream car, you got some kind of super whatever, you know, truck or car or sports car or something, and the first thing you did, like let's say you got your old super duper Corvette or something like that, and you're like, you know what the first thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go and put some diesel in this truck, in this car, in the I'm gonna put some diesel in this thing. which Olivia tried, okay? <laughs> I I forgot about that, Olivia, but you reminded me, okay? And and here's the thing is 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 How'd your car run after that? Right, okay. And here's the thing. Meditating on like all of the junk and and, and meditating about what's wrong with everyone else. You want to know what that is like? Just diesel in a car, okay. It's not a diesel car, okay. It just doesn't. We will succeed in finding out how we were not built to run, okay. God's saying this is how we were built to run, praising his glory, you you want to run like a finely tuned automobile man like you know the engine just purrs and it's smooth and everything praise his glory like let's be great at that all right let's really be great and he says uh verse six they will tell the power of your awesome works and i will proclaim your great deeds They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. It's interesting that that oftentimes how good we are at really like welling up praise and loving God's glory. It actually can be noticed by people by how we sing, how we like act, what our enthusiasm level is even. Okay, because. David's writing here, and he's saying, hey, man, here, here's the thing. We're going to celebrate, man. You want to know what? When me and you get really great at praising the glory of God, he says, you will celebrate. That's a good thing, isn't it? Everyone, you, We love to celebrate, right? It, it is fun to celebrate. We got to celebrate a fun wedding, right? That was just fun, all right? I mean, it's, we love to do that. Could you imagine if every part of your life was like that? Like you go to work and you're like, okay, I don't anticipate that my work is going to be like a party. But but the way I'm running on the inside, it's like a celebration. It's like, man, okay, I get to magnify God to the world with how we live. Okay, that's the, it's this, it's this issue of humility. But let's look over, let's go all the way back to Revelation chapter 4, okay? Uh, because part of this idea, this is... This is the thing right here is loving God's glory, loving his magnificence, loving his majesty, loving him being the king. All right. It's a worship thing. It's a humility thing. Okay, this is this is a heaven thing. This is us getting ready to go to heaven. Right. Revelation four, verse eight. He's talking about these crazy, I think, scary things in heaven. All right. But animals and lions and oxes and and he says each of the four, yes, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. Day and night day and night they never stopped saying holy, holy holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever The living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You're worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by... Your will they were created and have their being. Can you picture that? That is like one of the coolest things where you have this crazy six-winged beast with eyeballs all over the place singing, holy, holy, holy. That's a crazy song leader right there. You know, he's holy, holy, holy. And then it says, when that happens, the 24 elders who all have this worldly authority, they bow down and take their crowns off. And they say, God, you are worthy of glory. All right. As long as our crown is on, like that's what I deserve. Like when the world revolves around me and 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 I'm so like worried about what I deserve. You know, this is what I deserve. This is what God, you need to give me. This is what, where God, the Lord becomes the servant of me. All right. And I'm pouting when I don't get what I want. And I'm, you know, just all of these things. That's because we still have a crown on our head. And, and and we're going, no, you don't get the crown. I have the crown. And he's saying, no, listen, in heaven, the, you, you take the crown off. And you remember, no, you get the glory. You are worthy of glory. I take my, and that's part of this too, is we've got to take our crown off Amen. every day. Like every morning, like the crown has to come off and go, this is no longer what I want today. It's your will that, be, that, that will be done today, God. It's no more of what I... It's what you want and what's going to glorify you today, okay? This is, this is the starting point for Paul. When he said, man, if you want to be like that, just awesome, just whatever it is that runs on all cylinders, Amen. all right? He's saying, this is where we've got to start. We've got to be great about glorifying God, loving His glory, praising His glory. Amen. And in 1 Corinthians 10... If if in your mind you're thinking, yeah, but that sounds very, like, just frou-frou, kind of frilly, like, okay, but how is that, like, active in my life? Like, even if I'm taking my crown off, like, what does that look like? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32, he gets real practical. And he said, listen, whatever we do, whatever it is, whatever, okay, that's anything we choose to do, that's good freedom, isn't it? Isn't that great freedom where at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, hey, he quotes them, everything is permissible. That's a good sermon, huh? I mean, you'd amen that. I mean, that would be like an instant amen. Yes, everything's permissible. And he said, but you can do everything you want that brings glory to God. Everything. Everything. Boy, that gives us some really great parameters, but they're only parameters if we love God's glory. We have to love his glory. We have to love him getting all the credit. We've got to love him. We've got to love really loving what he loves. That's a lot of love right there, okay? But it's that idea of just being so um, just in tune with will this make God happy and will this make the world see how awesome God is? All right. Now, part of the world might go, you're crazy living that way. All right. But this answers questions. OK, if you're hey, here, here's the deal, if you're single and this is about why you stay pure in your relationship. Amen. All right. Because the world might pat you on the back when you're impure and when you're in a sexual relationship. OK, yep. God is glorified when you go, no, Amen. I'm protecting this person's purity. Like, I will guard their purity because you want to know what? Think about it. If you have a daughter, you know. Buddy, I will do things to protect my daughter. I'll do things to protect my son, too. But my son actually, I mean, you know, he might be able to get in there and, like, beat some people up and all that kind of stuff, which I don't condone. Okay? <laughs> but, but my point is, is like, listen, the boy that comes and wants to court my daughter. Okay, and this is just, I'm a human being. God is God. I'm like, dude, if you don't protect her purity, I will lose my faith to track you down and kill you. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. I'm like, you- I want that so badly. And here's the deal is, if I want it that badly, God wants it way worse than I want it. Okay? So it's that idea of, Glorifying God in our dating relationships, glorifying God in our spouses and our jobs and being a man or a woman of integrity is that idea of, you know, the answer to the questions in my life is, well, I want people to know how awesome it is to love God. And like, I don't have to lie and I don't have to cheat and I don't have to do these things. Because why? Because God is so Amazingly awesome. And if you're a loss for words, you can just go right here in Ephesians 1. The first 14 verses sum it up really well. Mm -hmm. This is what he's done for me. Like, could you imagine not loving that God? All right. And so it's this idea of everything we do going, if I love God's glory, would I still do what I'm about to do? Would I still say this to that person? Treat them that way. Would I still, you know, and and if you really love God's glory, this is the whole answer. You might have any kind of philosophies about quiet times. But I'm like, man, if we love God's glory. Right here teaches us how to praise his glory. This is like, man, I want to get in this thing and I want to dig in because we learn more. okay? and and Paul goes on actually at the end of Ephesians 1 we're not going to go verse by verse here, but what he does, he says, therefore, in verse 15, for this reason, Paul says, I have not stopped praying for you. Amen. He says, for this reason, but, but Paul does this so great, like this gentle correction. He's like, here's what I'm praying for you for. <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be better if he was just like, change this. Do this different. He's like, no, I pray for you. I'm going to share with you what I'm praying. I keep asking in verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better. Like that's the, every day I want to know him better. Paul's saying, that's what I'm praying. That's how we're going to grow in praising his glory and loving his glory. I pray also that the eyes of your heart can be enlightened so that you will know the hope to which he has called you. You know what? We got weird eyes in our heart, I think, today, because I think sometimes when we think of glorifying God, we think, let's just blend in with Christianity in general. Like, that will make God happy when, when all Christians just agree to be equally apathetic. Yeah. That will make God happy. All right, He says, no, I want your eyes to be enlightened, Actually, the hope, like, here's the deal is, is is our relationships, we we may have some really great relationships with some really deeply spiritual people, okay? God is not glorified by us going, oh, let's not dig deeply into the word of God. Let's just accept every salvation doctrine. Let's just accept everything and just hope that he's okay with you being a good person. He's saying, no, I want your eyes to be enlightened because how God is glorified is when his teachings are taught. Amen. Okay, God is not an apathetic God He's going, God, if they could just all get like 10 or 15 different belief systems going and then call it my teachings. No. Part of glorifying God is not being ashamed at what he taught. Amen. Like he taught, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Unashamedly. It wasn't like Peter was going, oh God, repent and be baptized. He's like, no, this is good news. Our world doesn't treat it as good news. Our world treats it as, no, there's like 10 different ways to be saved. And I'm like, no, you know what that means? That we're ashamed of God's way. Like all of a sudden, no, 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 I'm ashamed of what God said. And I'm like, no, let the eyes of my heart be enlightened so I know that this is true hope. Right? And be unashamed of that, of going, wow, you know how God is going to be glorified when what he decided was most important is what we proclaim. And we go, hey, I'm, I'm out of this. I didn't invent Acts chapter 2. I'm just told to embrace it fully and proclaim it. Amen. He praises the eyes of their heart. He talks about their, God's incomparably great power. He talks about this, this power that's above every rule and authority. And then in verse 22, he, he brings it all together right here in chapter 1. It's the coolest thing. He says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. There's a, like a picture right there. He placed everything under him because he was over them. That We've got to remember that. I mean, this is really important. And he's the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. That's a pretty profound statement. Mm -hmm. He says, everything that I've said here, understand it's in the context of the assembly of believers, the church, and it's meant our goal in praising his glory is that everything would be filled with Jesus in every way. Is that your dream? Like we talk about dreams in the church, and most of them are stuff that we made up. This is a worthy dream amen. to go. You don't know what? This is what if every day every one of us in here says we're going to praise his glory with what we say, with what we do, with how we live, with the decisions we make, because the point of the church. I want the fullness of the church in Christ to fill everything in Clemson and Clemson University in every way. Amen. That's a worthy dream. Amen. And in fact, that's actually God's dream. That's his <laughs> point. That's his idea right there. Let's finish up in Isaiah 48. We're going to, we're going to go ahead and finish up here. Uh, this is one of those I just threw in there because, um, again, kind of like we talked about last week, take what we talk about. You can hear the sermons online. You can go listen to other sermons. People preach about Ephesians. You can study Ephesians, but the point is, is that it fans you in the flame and us in the flame to be in our Bible every single day, practicing these things. And so hopefully there's just a morsel or two of food that you're able to take and then you get to feed yourself this week, okay? And this is a neat, I love this in Isaiah 48 because I think it, this helps shift my thinking from everything God does is to meet my needs to his glory, okay? And so in Isaiah 48, uh, verse nine, uh, God says, for... My own namesake, I delay my wrath. God, God doesn't say, hey, for your pitiful soul, I'm going to delay my wrath. He says, "For my, I want people to say good things about my name. I mean, God's concerned about his name, his glory. For the sake of my praise, I'll hold it back from you and not cut you off. See, I have refined you, though not as silver, I've tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. Wow. I mean, God is serious about this. There's this a way that if we want to be really grow in depth in our love with God, it's this idea of God is so fired up about his glory. Yeah. And his name and that His name will not be defamed, and His name will not be like, you know just seen and, and portrayed as this apathetic organization of people. But God is like, no, I'm I, for my name's sake, I will work. And I will be patient and kind for my name's sake, because God loves His glory. Amen. And Ephesians 1 tells us exactly why. This is not vanity run amok. (laughs) This isn't me and you going, I'm awesome and and you should just believe it. Ephesians 1, those 14 verses, taught us word by word why God is the only one worthy of being glorified.